district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? We're back in the district, fresh off of a huge show last night with John Daigle joining us from 444 and another monster one, a special TGIF edition. Happy Friday to everyone. You know him from PFF. You've been watching his team previews, hopefully, with our boy, Mr. McFarlane over there at PFF. We love what they're doing over there. We've got them for 60 minutes. We're going to squeeze everything we can. Ian Hartsett, welcome to the GOAT District, brother. Appreciate you guys having me on. Honored to be following up uh, Daigle and Dwayne. I talk to both of them multiple times a week. So only natural I talk to you guys as well. And yeah, going through all these teams right now in June. We'll be done early July with everything. And at that point in time, then we'll get into the nitty gritty with uh, you know strategy and how we actually want to be attacking drafts and ADP and all that. But as you guys know, long, long offseason. So I wanted to take these slower months with all the rosters finally set to just take the time, you know, literally 60 minutes probably every Every single team just hit on all those fantasy relevant players, giving us that backbone of just knowing the players, and then we'll figure out how to exactly win with them. So we're gonna we're gonna try to to structure this and get three important pieces of information as from you as we go through the division. We're gonna try to get kind of a league winner type that you like or a favorite uh, guy that you like in a division, a guy that you think might be overvalued right now at at ADP, and then of course everybody's favorite a sleeper if that even exists anymore but i'm sure you've got some awesome ones for us today let's start in the afc east i'm a little north a little, little close to the buffalo bill so we'll start up there what are we seeing with this division who's someone that you're liking as a possible league, league winner are you going to buffalo the high power buffalo bills or maybe one of these sleeper teams in miami and new york yeah, I think it's all these Buffalo Bills wide receivers. I mean, Diggs, Gabriel Davis, and Jamison Crowder. I'm fine drafting them at where they're going and even ahead of it all over the place. For me, Diggs is, has, and has been my wide receiver for. I think the industry is kind of finally coming around to that. But just having that continuity with Josh Allen, we know he's going to hit 150-plus targets, and we know how good he is. Like, why even take the chance on Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill having to learn new offense and A.J. Brown? Like, there's just not a big enough talent difference in my mind to actually take that risk just give me the guy with josh allen and then with gabriel davis like look guys i understand yards tend to be a little more predictive moving forward but at some point 
like football is about points. We want to score points and win games. And Gabriel Davis has done that more than anyone else. Like I just, any sort of argument I've seen against Gabriel Davis, like just ignores the fact that this guy is scoring touchdowns, like absolutely no other right now. So yeah, if they would have added a high end outside receiver at some point in the off season, maybe we'd have some concerns about him not taking that next step, but they didn't. All they added was Jamison Crowder to potentially replace Cole Beasley. who Don't look now three straight seasons with triple digit targets. So for me, like, yeah, there are some offenses where we only want to focus on the number one, maybe the number two at the most, but Tampa Bay and Buffalo, man, give me all these wide receivers. Anything to add guys, before we, we look at somebody that's maybe overvalued in this division. I like Jalen Waddle where he's going. I think that he's, I think that like he's getting pushed down. I know we, we got, I got him at a, the very end of the third round in a football guys draft and, um, I'm intrigued by him because I think that the Tyree kill kind of pushed him back a little bit, um, but he had 102 catches. He's got elite speed. He's got the draft pedigree. And I think if he starts getting down in like that wide receiver 15 to 18 range and redraft, uh, I think he could absolutely smash. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely with uh, in on the, the Buffalo receivers. I think that's kind of where the meat is in this division. Uh, you know, like you said, you can kind of cherry pick in, into some of the other teams. You know, Elijah Moore, um, you can you can go with uh, Waddle uh, for sure as well. But uh, the, the Bills are where it's at, I think. Dan, I was taking my guy. All right, <laughs> let's go to uh, over overvalued right now. Obviously, there's some polarizing guys, and you've got some tweets out about some guys we'll talk about later in the show. But who, who's the guy in this division? Sorry, guys. I think it's Waddle, man. I just... <laughs> With the Dolphins, look, historically, last 10 years, there's been an average of 4.3 teams per year having multiple top 24 wide receivers. And I understand Tyreek and Waddle are being drafted to be one of those squads, but I just start going around the league and I just, there's other teams with better quarterbacks that I'm more confident in enabling both these guys. I mean, the Bengals, Bills, I... Adams and Renfro, arguably with the Raiders, what the Broncos are doing, the Vikings with Jefferson, Thielen, Buccaneers, Rams. Like to me, all these teams probably have a higher overall pass game ceiling than what the Dolphins are dealing with. And Waddle was very good last year, but man, there's something about guys like him and Deontay Johnson where I watched the film. I understand they're very good players, but I'm not, I think they're better fantasy players in real life. Like I don't want to be pulling up efficiency metrics and seeing these guys literally in the bottom 10 in some of this stuff. And I know they earn their targets, but man, looking at those two offenses, if there ever was going to be a little bit of an exception where maybe they got those targets because there was no one else to throw the freaking football to. And a lot of those targets were, let's face it, just scheme within five yards of the line of scrimmage. I do think there's a lot of question marks when you add now the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. So just with Waddle going where he's going, I, I understand the idea to bet on talent. Ultimately, I'm still taking guys like Terry McLaurin, like Michael Pittman. I'm just more confident in having that larger target share ahead of him. Buttonheads on that one, Ian. <laughs> we'll see what happens, man. You guys are yeah, beside no, each other. Sure. Just... Yeah, that's it. That's it. I, I, I'm kind of betting on uh, Tyreek maybe starting to break down a little bit, uh, perhaps an injury. I mean, there, there are a lot of ways where Waddle gets a, a chance to get a lot of targets. And, um, you know, when it, when in doubt, I'm going to bet on the younger precocious player over the, the old established bet who's changing teams. I think for me, if I'm, if I'm looking at the AFC East, I don't really see like a glaring, like, uh, you know, misvalued guy. I'll take it to dynasty. I think people are kind of starting to overrate Mac Jones a little bit. I've seen him in dynasty startups, um, going a little higher than he should. I just think he's such a low floor guy 
I think the offense is going to struggle. Um, I don't see him really taking a big step forward. Um, and I think he should be drafted, you know, closer to the, you know, wide receiver 24-ish. And we're starting to see him go a little higher than that in, in some of these FFPC startups. What about sleepers, guys? I like Michael Carter, where he's going at this point. I mean, RB45 over at Underdog Fantasy. Like, yeah, I know. Brees Hall will probably certainly will lead that backfield but we're already hearing murmurs from carter himself and just the history of this you know system basically being willing to use a committee i mean carter was saying tevin coleman's gonna stay involved which i don't quite see happening that much but it's possible man and if it is a more of a one-two punch than we're expecting i mean carter's going at a great spot but i also just don't think we're giving him enough credit as a potential handcuff i mean making through all free agency and all they did was bring back um tevin coleman and ty johnson like that was already great news for carter obviously we lost you know the legit rb2 potential uh with him when they went ahead and drafted Brees hall but like he's going behind guys like alexander madison um i think khalil herbert's a little cheaper but there, there are certain guys that i think carter's going behind that just don't even have his best case scenario which is Brees hall getting hurt and like yeah i'm not betting on Brees hall getting injured i don't like to bet on anyone getting injured like just overly so if they're not already hurt so i think carter um shout out to fantasy footballers mike wright for coining the term like could be a flex with benefits here uh where no he's maybe not maybe doesn't have like the uh tony pollard level ceiling as a handcuff but if Brees hall got hurt like we saw them give michael carter three down workload for stretches last year i think he'd be really hard to keep out of the top 20 and if the jets offense impresses a little bit which they added enough pieces i think everywhere to think that's reasonable i think we could be looking at him giving you occasional and if not season long rb3 value all right guys the buzzard is off. We're moving over to the AFC North. The Bengals were powerhouse in the air last year. Um, you know, you got Chase over there. The Steelers kind of in the rebuild in the quarterback position, added some pieces. Cleveland, who knows what's going on at quarterback there. And then Baltimore with Lamar uh, driving the ship there. Let's start off uh, with the, the league winner type guys or your favorite guys that you're seeing in this division, Ian. Tyler Boyd's a pretty good pick where he's going and hand up. I was way too high on Tyler Boyd last year. He was a legit wide receiver one with during the Burrow starts in 2020. I knew Chase was good, but I thought it could be more of a 1A, 1B, 1C situation. Obviously, it was 1A, 1B with Chase and Higgins, and Boyd kind of fell off a little bit to the wayside, but still saw plenty of goodness from Boyd throughout the season. And it's not like he freaking killed you taking him. You know, he's he's kind of just one of those guys that gets drafted around the wide receiver 40 range. And if everything goes the way we're expecting with Chase and Higgins, he'll probably finish about there. So he's a solid enough flex, you know, in some of these bigger leagues to begin with, but my God guys, like 94 targets in 16 games last year, he is one injury away to either Higgins or chase from looking at like 140 potentially. I mean, this could just be a complete blow up situation. There aren't many number three wide receivers. That I think have the upside that Boyd does. You can put him in there with Russell Gates age Jalen Tolbert's a little bit more of a stretch but these are like the offenses that if we want a number three wide receiver from we should be targeting because we all agree Burrow's probably going to go bonkers this year why not take the cheapest guy available that's always going to be on the field yeah for me I, I think it's Deontay Johnson when he when he goes in the the later part of the fourth round mid mid to late fourth um I think people might be overthinking it a little bit I think that he's a very very talented player um, I, I get that uh, there was the low A dot targets from Ben Roethlisberger, and I think that's kind of the argument against Deontay Johnson. But 
I just think he's a baller and I think that he's not going to fall off and you're starting to see him, you know, at like wide receiver 20 uh, range in drafts. I think he's going to definitely beat his ADP there. Um, and he's got a chance to finish, you know, 10 spots higher than where he's getting drafted uh, at his position. He's, How about he's, you, Dan? He's certainly oh, polarizing. No, I was just going to add, he's certainly polarizing right now. You can, you hear both ends of the spectrum on a guy like Deontay right now. Some guy, just, some guys thinks he's the next Cooper Cup. Some guys thinks he's just a flop because he was getting five yard passes from Ben for the past two years. You know, Ian, Ian I think Ian takes the the latter. Well, I'm. I, I think what uh what Theo was saying about like when he's going wide receiver twenty range, like that's fine. I had more of a problem with him when he was being like pushed above all these guys in the wide receiver two range. Like that's why you can't be too low on him. Like yeah, there are some red flags, but my God, there's red flags like after for every wide receiver after like wide receiver eleven. You know, looking at McLaurin with Wentz, Pittman with Ryan. Like I have them higher because I think they're more secure number ones, but then we get to Mike Williams. Like he's a pretty clear number two, but people are trying to change that narrative lately. DJ Moore and his quarterback, DK Metcalf and his quarterback, Deontay Waddle and what they're dealing, you know, uh, Marquise Brown having to deal with Hopkins coming back. So there are a lot of potential issues with them. As long as Deontay's being pushed down, I'm fine with them there. Dan, before we go to Scott's uh, question from the chat, do you have anything to add? No, I just I really want to shout out Ian for basically going down my uh, my superflex tourney lineup and just picking my players right out of there. That's perfect. Uh, you you could not be making a better commercial for my team. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I just took Deontay in that uh, that Rotoviz uh, triflex. So Scott's asking, who's the wide receiver you want on all your teams outside of the top ten right now? Hmm. Like, you know, we could just rank like T Higgins or Debo, whoever the hell you have 11th. But I will say like, just looking at my, um, I'll pull up my exposure right now. I've done about 20 best ball drafts since the draft was over and at wide receiver Terry McLaurin, someone I just keep on getting because he's being pushed down the bottom of the wide receiver two range. So for me, like what I'm actually, I'm more, more, more in on Kyle Pitts. I was talking this through in the uh, Atlanta Falcons preview and like Mark Andrews, I'm more down to get an early round tight end because I don't think there's that big of a difference between like the wide receiver 13 and the wide receiver 24 uh, right now. So McLaurin, he's starting to go up wide receiver 21, but yeah, I'm getting him all over the place. Also Tim Patrick, someone I, I think where he's going, I mean, wide receiver 58. He has been the best wide receiver on the Broncos for the past two years. Like that's just a fact now. Okay. Sutton got paid more. Judy's got the first round capital. I've seen his route running and stuff, but man, like, Patrick got a nice little three-year, $30 million extension last year, too. I think it's going to be Sutton on one side, Patrick on the other, and honestly, Hamler may be taking Judy's snaps, uh, if anything. So, for me, like, it's a little bit of an uncertain situation. So, take the freaking cheapest one available by far in Tim Patrick. So, for me, McLaurin and Patrick at cost, buying them up every chance I get. And, guys, keep talking. I just need to grab my charger real quick. Yeah, no problem. I mean, for me, it's it's Rashad Bateman right now. Um, he's wide receiver 27 on, on underdog. Um, you see him going in the sixth round on FFPC drafts often these days. I think as the summer moves along, he's going to move inside the top 24 wide receivers drafted. Uh, and right now we're getting him, you know, a little bit closer to that, you know, mid-tier, um, you know, almost wide receiver three line. So I, to me, it's Rashad Bateman. I just think that he's got the upside. Um, he could see 25% target share. Um and I think that, you know, he's in a great spot. How about you, Dan? I'll take the other side of that coin. I'll take uh, Marquise Brown. Um, just love the fact that he's going to have kind of the offense to himself for six weeks. And then after that, uh, you know, who knows what kind of shape uh, Hopkins is going to come back in. 
uh, you know, again, an older player who was starting to break down a little bit last year. Uh, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw my coin in on uh, the younger guy who's uh, still ascending. Two guys I'll add, Pittman, my Colts. Like, I love Ryan going there. I mean, with the options that were available, I'll take Matt Ryan all day. Uh, I think he elevates Pittman into that wide receiver one uh, conversation. And Mike Williams over there in, in Charger land, I think, uh, surpasses Allen um, in uh, in uh, by the end of the season, I guess you could say, as the alpha out there uh, in, uh, in L.A. Ian, you didn't agree with my uh, Williams comment, I think. He could outscore them just, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, there's like a similar argument in Kansas City. Like, I probably think Juju is going to have more targets in MVS, but it's possible. This is not based on that random news an hour ago that Roto World's sending out. But, uh, you know, just based on the yards per reception potential, uh, I can see Mike doing it. I guess I'm just kind of confused, like, where all this love came from. Like, I thought everyone hated Mike Williams. He only, you know, he'd he take away his big games and what's he do? But now he's going as a uh, top 13, 14 guy. So. Is that me? Yeah. No. I'm not sure what you're hearing. Anyways, I'm hearing like a, some kind of gone now. I heard it too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I heard it too. All good. It, it's not reaching Minnesota. That's why. Um, so let's go overvalue. Who's the overvalue in this division? Everyone on the Browns, probably. Like, <laughs> man, I've heard some people saying like Watson might get suspended six games. I think the more this goes on, it's just How about the whole like season. A, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's if I had to guess, it. I'd probably say the whole season. So if we're not gonna have Watson, I was getting yep. all this heat. I was getting all this heat from Browns fans in this tweet I sent earlier this week, saying like, is it not in the best interest of the Browns and Baker to freaking just figure this out? Because where's Baker going to go this year that's, like, better for him to put up numbers? Like, it's Cleveland. It's in the same system with a great offensive line, Cooper, Najoku. Like, his best – if he wants to – you know, if he's just so pissed off he can't stomach this, like, they'll probably still pay him money. But who's going to give him, like, even, like, a Jameis Winston-level contract next year? He's not going to get anything more than, like, a one-year prove-it deal to probably one of these shitty teams that he might get traded for uh, in the first place. So, for me, Baker's – like, come on, the dude, the dude's always played like an underdog with a chip on his shoulder. Like, go out there, ball out, and flip off the front office after every touchdown. But, like, if he wants to actually try to get a multi-year deal in the future, which seems like his career plan, then I think it's trying to bury the hatchet and figure it out with the Browns. And Baker gives the Browns the best chance of winning. I mean, what, they eight wins last year with him playing freaking with Injured. how many injuries since week right. two? Like, come on, everyone. We have seen Baker at the end of his rookie year and at the end of 2020, like, really have stretches where he was arguably a top 12, even top 10 quarterback. Now, part of being that good is being able to do that over the course of a whole season. He's better than Jacoby freaking Brissett. For you to not think that, like, come on, Jacoby is a very good backup, but he's a top 35, 40 quarterback. We've seen this at numerous stops, like... This, this Browns team is obviously in contention contender mode. They want to win this year. Look at the one-year contracts they're dishing out to like Clowney and some of these other guys. Like, If they want to maximize their chances of winning this year, it needs to happen with Baker, but it seems more and more likely that's not going to happen. So Cooper, so Chubb and Hunt and all that uncertainty going on there. Like, I just can't pay a premium for these guys. I think Najoku going like – I mean, he's still going outside the top. He's going tight end 18 on underdog. I'm fine with some Najoku shares. That's about it. Who's your sleeper? Sorry, let you take a sip. Oh, you're good. Uh, 
Super. I will say someone that's really nice at just the end of some of these uh, underdog drafts is Devin Duvernay with the Ravens. I mean, he's starting out there. He's pretty damn good with the ball in his hands too. And, you know, losing Hollywood Brown is great news for Bateman and that's fine. I have Bateman as my wide receiver 25 or 26. So I'm in on him, but you know, you get to the end of these drafts and people are taking like Justin Ross and, Maybe he works out, but there's people that might not even be on rosters going ahead of the Ravens' number two wide receiver. Dan and Theo, rapid fire, sleeper, or or you're uh, overvalued for this division. I think for me, it's Nick Chubb. Um, I think that, it, you know, we're going to see a, a slight, maybe a slight um, Chubb bump, um, you know, if there is a Watson suspension, because uh, people are going to assume he's just going to be the show again. I just think he's the kind of player that has little to no upside, um, and I think he's going to kind of get you stuck. Deal. All right. Um, sorry, sorry, Dan. <laughs> yeah. I'm, no, I, I, I'm with the end. I'm, I'm not taking any Browns right now. Um, you know, once we find out what's going on with the suspension, I'll have plenty of time to get my Browns exposure up if I need to. But uh, I, I wait, you know, Amari Cooper just going way too high for me right now. Yeah. Um, the whole offense. It, yeah, the whole offense, basically. Whole so, offense. Stay yeah, away. I'm, I'm, I'm with Ian on that. All right. Let's go to um, – guys, smash the like, smash the subscribe. We're going to fly through these divisions so that you guys get all the info you need to crush your redrafts. Real quick, before we get into my favorite division as a Colts fan, are you guys avoiding any bye weeks uh, when you're drafting or minimizing on, like, a week 14 bye week or anything like that when you're doing these redraft tourneys? Ian? No. Okay. I mean, if I'm best ball, you got to pay attention to it to make sure you don't, you know, get two quarterbacks in the same buy or something. But in, in redraft, no, I don't give I don't give a single shit about bye weeks. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much ignoring them at this point. Um, I'm with Ian. Yeah. I'll pay a little more attention towards the end, but not at this point in the summer. All right. Let's talk my Colts. Let's talk the division of yeah. I mean, we've lost a lot from this division offensively. Uh, or are you with kind of the league winner type or, or one of your favorite guys in this division, Ian? Travis Etienne uh, over Jacksonville. RB1, like just somehow James Robinson's getting the benefit of the doubt coming back from an Achilles. Like I, I continue to have no idea how. Dr. Jesse, Dr. Jesse Morris believes that Robinson isn't even going to play football um, this year. Like that's on the table. Like James Robinson could be completely out of the picture. And to – make the leap of faith that not only will he be ready to go by week one, but also that he'll be recovered enough to be anything like James Robinson's awesome. I've, we, we all, we've all seen that over the past two seasons, but my God, like credit to acres and for Marlon Mack for coming back, but they were both, they, they were horrific, you know, just pick a, any efficiency stat you want to look at. They were not the same player coming back. So even if he comes back and that happens, I think ETN's being set up for like a Deandre Swift sort of role in Jacksonville on a bad team. That's probably going to check the ball down to him a ton. And we know he has that sort of pass catching skill. He's already out there running full speed. So we don't have to worry about his list Frank as much. So I think ETN's floor is, seemingly a swift-esque role and his ceiling is a freaking cmc role not to just keep throwing that out there but people are talking about the debo role for etn they drafted him as a first round running back he's going to catch a lot of passes too like if he doesn't leave the field that's not the debo role like that is a cmc role that we need to get in a full ppr scoring yeah i'll i'll agree with ian etn was going to be my pick um i do think that the only the only argument against etn is right now he's like the ultimate value but i do think he's he's steaming up the boards like right yeah. right now underdog underdog you, you get a great value on etn 
But if you look at like the FFPC boards, you're going to start seeing people take him at the two, three turn. And I think if maybe he gets a little bit higher than that, he might be like a capped ceiling guy where you're taking him towards, you know, the top range of outcomes. Cause I'm not, I'm just not sure that that offense can support like running back five overall, but I do think he can crack in there and, and be a top 15 running back. And right now he's a smash play where he's going ADP wise on underdog. How about you, Dan? Uh, just for the sake of saying something different, I'll, I'll say Pittman, uh, though he's also getting schemed up pretty high. So that's that. That's what I got on that. What about overvalued right now, guys, in this division? Ian? It's kind of a weird division because none of these – I mean, you know, you have like your Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. Obviously, they're at the top of drafts, but because of all the quarterbacks are like – kind of QB 20 or worse. Like you just, everyone's pretty affordable out of the group. So like, yeah, you know, we could sit here and say like Christian Kirk, uh, just changing teams and being in a crowded offense. But when he's going outside the top 40, like I'm not completely despising it, but I would just say, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I'm hearing some barking about him, like making this burrow S leap. Guys, like he wasn't even close to how good Burrow was as a rookie last year. Like Trevor Lawrence was truly horrific. And if he can get back to be, giving us something close to average play like that should be fine please chill with hoping he makes a burrow s leap if he well, does, show me like, show me jamar chase and higgins in that offense yeah exactly <laughs> so like i i think he'll be better as well but it just seems like some of the expectations for him and then accordingly um that crowded wide receiver room are maybe a little bit out of control so trevor lawrence i just think it's hard to really rationalize him over still someone like justin fields who we just know like even if the bears are terrible again like we saw in fields last five starts like he can still give us qb one uh production just based on him running the hell out of the football yeah Joel. justin fields was my number one quarterback in that class and i haven't changed my mind on that and right now mac jones is surging ahead of uh trevor lawrence as well so it is what it is <laughs> yeah i mean that the division's not really like overdrafted um i think you could make exactly. an argument that that Pittman is starting to get drafted like there's not a whole lot of room for you know, he'd have to get into like a top, you know, five wide receiver season to like really, really smash it as ADP. But I do think he'll return value, you know, where he's going. The big dog, um, there'll be some faders on, on Derrick Henry, um, you know, as, as RB4, but it's kind of hard to, to make art, like a whole lot of arguments against it. So it's a weird division. Guys seem to be properly priced. The Sorry, Ian, go ahead. I was going to say, the thing with Henry, like, I think it's fair to – we saw him drop off in efficiency a lot last year. Like, he averaged a whole yard less per carry. Like, it was not all just him balling out every single week, but no one cared because he was getting 30 carries and freaking – like, who cares if you're inefficient when you're getting that many carries? So, shout out to uh, Tage Seth. He's done some fantastic uh, work with PFF over the years. Like, he has found that 1,500 professional carries. Usually, you're not seeing the running back, like, increase his yards above expectation at that point but just looking at Henry's workload only him Kamara and Najee had at least 20 expected PPR points per game last year and like that's that's not going anywhere last year was the first time he missed multiple games due to injury so it's just again with Henry he's have he's had the time to get healthy like there's a big difference between betting against someone that's actively injured like a Michael Thomas type situation or a James Robinson but just expecting Henry to be any more injury prone than you know Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey I I can't get behind that. And I don't think there's like a legit medical reason out there that supports it. So the one thing this division does offer, especially for best ball, it, it offers you those late stacks, right? Last night we had John on talking, John Daigle talking stacks, stacks on stacks. And you've got the Colts with Matt Ryan, 
you know, whether it's Paris Hilton or, or you know, the, the, the tight ends that are way down there in the drafts or Paris. Bobby Woods out there in Tennessee with Tannehill. Houston offers some really nice, you know, with um, who's your guy, the tight end, uh, Jordan or Brevin. Brevin, Brevin Jordan. Jordan. I'm looking at I'm looking let's at go back Theo. to let's talk more about Paris Hilton, huh? Oh, P- Paris Campbell. Apologies. Yeah, there we go. P- yeah, there you go. My, mine's in the somewhere. Let's, and, let's uh, talk about Paris Hilton instead. Just offers <laughs> just offers you the opportunity to build late stacks if you if you miss on them early with with some of these you know maybe not so powerhouse offenses where you can you can pick and choose some some pieces that might pop this season and give you uh, you know that nice upside. All right, let's go to the last division in the AFC here, so we can try to stay on our uh, on our tight schedule obviously this is the opposite you've got the powerhouses the chiefs the raiders la denver they all loaded up their armies this offseason they're ready to go it's going to be battle every time these teams meet what are your thoughts on this division when we're looking at league winner type players these chiefs running backs are really standing out to me just actually talked and uh wrote about him yesterday but like the things we're holding CEH back for, it's just interesting how, like, Saquon Barkley and Claude Edwards-Hilaire seem to be the only guys that were like, man, they suck. We can't draft them because they're bad at football. But we have these other players like Alvin Kamara and uh, uh, Najee Harris who, like, really were terribly inefficient last season. But they, you know, had touchdowns. They just had enough volume to make up for it. But, you know, guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and uh, also Saquon, like, they, for them to come back and play through injuries uh, unsuccessfully, Cordero Patterson's another one. It's interesting to me how we almost tend to take their production like at their floor, like when they were playing hurt, when they were not performing well. Whereas someone like Derrick Henry or DeAndre Swift, they get hurt, they don't play, and we just go, well, look how great they were in the first half of the season. So with Clyde last year, man, having that gallbladder surgery and going down to 160 pounds, like my God, Kansas City beat writers, like maybe save the best shape of their life story and tell us when the starting running back has to have freaking surgery and loses 40 pounds. So that aside, like he's been banged up basically the whole career. But look at the moves they made. All they brought in was Ronald Jones. And I like Rojo at his value too, because he's probably gonna be the goal line back. You could not pick a better running back to not take targets away from you than Ronald Jones right now. So, you know, with uh, you know, I've seen the and I just had a tweet yesterday about Andy Reid's history of awesome RB1s, and it's been a three-year down stretch, maybe because they had Tyree Kill and they didn't need to be forcing the ball to them. I mean, because that's the one thing about the Brian Westbrook days and the Jamal Charles days like you know with all due respect to 2004 to and then we had the brief djax macklin era in the end in philly but like there was a whole year in kansas city where not a single wide receiver scored a touchdown of course jamal charles can get more involved and of course ceh should be more involved this year now that they need him more than ever in the past game and he's cheaper than ever guys round six round seven like i'm not asking you to take clyde in round two or three like we've had to you can get him way when like way after already getting three or four wide receivers and then rojo's there in round 10 or later so we all think the chiefs offense is going to be great let's take the running backs that are going to be making it great yeah, I think that it's it's such an intriguing division. Um, I mean, you could make an argument for a number of these guys. Um, but I'm starting to really buy into Cortland Sutton. Um, I think he could be the alpha in Denver. Um, I think that there's his his ADP is like so close to like Judy right now, um, and I think it should be a lot lot further apart. I think he's got big time upside, um, double digit touchdown type guy with Russell Wilson in Denver. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty much on uh, Sutton as well as being the most likely to, to be a league winner out of this division. Uh, 
I, I can throw a little bit of steam behind Javante Williams as well. Uh, just given the fact that, you know, they did sign Gordon back, but they, they really dragged their feet about it. They didn't seem too happy about, it, you know, it was kind of a, well, uh, you don't have anybody. We, you know, this will, this will help us out before we get to the draft where we don't have to take anybody. So we'll, we'll just take you back on a cheap deal. But, uh, you know, Williams is starting to get down into the end of the second round, even early third round, uh, to the point where that's kind of an intriguing price for him. That's uh, He's going at, like, running back 13 or 14 or so. Most of the time he finishes running back 17 last year. So, uh, you know, I think we're in a range where if he does even a little bit better, he can at least return value. Yeah, Sut- Sutton was my guy right away. That's what I started writing when uh, when Theo uh, brought up his name. So it definitely has that that winning, but just to to give a different name, and I already touched on him. Uh, I like Mike Williams out there in LA. Um, sleepers, I've I've got one in Denver, so nobody steal my tight end in Denver. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> bro! Like I saw uh, Benjamin Albright. He's already saying that Greg Dol- Dolchich is like splitting reps with Alberto. No OTAs. I will say this. Albert no, O is I'm not worried about OTAs. He's gotten he's gotten so cheap that it's fine. It's like Njoku. Like there might be a little bit of problems there, but like he was going, like I felt like earlier in the offseason, like tight end 12, 13. That was ridiculous. Where he's going now, it's okay. All right. All right. Who's your guy? Sleeper, probably same team. Tim Patrick, man. Talked yeah. about it a bit before. I just don't like look, we're holding on to Judy because John Elway took him in 2020 in the first round. Like now it's George Patton. We got a new coaching staff. Like I just, you know, credit to Judy for playing through the pain. I just talked about that. I don't want to necessarily penalize him for not being that great last year, but man, a lot. It just seems like we're maybe putting a little too much emphasis on the route running with him. And he is a great route runner. I, I love seeing his wide receiver cornerback ISO camp. It's always a good time, but you know, if we just start looking at him comparing to other wide receivers uh, with more stats in the eye test, I think he starts to fall short. And again, he had every chance last two years to really take over and he didn't. I know he's young. Maybe he gets there, but to me, too many concerns about him uh, even being on the field with Hamler. Yeah, to me, I think that the uh, sleeper is Derek Hart. Um, I think that he's going as quarterback 14, but I think that that Raiders offense could be more pass-happy happy than we're thinking, and I think it could score a lot of points, and I think he could uh, absolutely smash and finish like quarterback six, quarterback eight, somewhere in that range, and be a viable fantasy player. I'm, I'm going to go with Hunter Renfro. Uh, give me the uh, the accountant, the school teacher, whatever he is. Uh, guy just got a new, brand new contract. He's going as wide receiver 36. Uh, he's playing the slot in a Josh McDaniels offense, which has always been a, a very productive role. Uh, he's been productive in the past. So I'll, I'll, I'll take Renfro at wide receiver 36 all day long. I, I like Renfro. I just think that he was a sleeper. I think that now that he's got the big contract, his name's going to start getting out there more. Like you said, Theo uh, Carr, people are going to start seeing that, you know what, he's going to elevate his game most likely in in, in the in this offense with these weapons. Um, so I think that Renfro was like a month ago, two months ago, Dan, he was going super late. You no, know? like considering what he did last year, I know Adams was going there, but I think Renfro is is definitely a great call. I just don't, I could see him starting to creep up the draft boards. Wide receiver 40 on underdog right now. Right. Underdog's yeah. messed up, man. If you compare yeah. your underdog boards to your FFPC boards, you can find some serious value right now. 100%. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to the NFC, guys. 
we'll start in the NFCs. Obviously, with the Cowboys, the Eagles, Commanders, Giants, uh, always fun with these four teams. Uh, every season, you never know how it's going to end up. Who's your league winner type player in this division, Ian? League winner, NFC East. Who are we going to go with? I will just say, man, I've been all over the Terry McLaurin train. And honestly, like, that is a, is a nice best ball stack. You can get McLaurin early. Not that early. Again, like round four, let get your tight end, get your Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts, and Terry McLaurin will usually be there in round four or even round five for you. And then you can get Jahan Dotson going late. There's this weird phenomenon when guys like Dotson go higher than we expected them to. Like, they, it almost gets held against them instead of helping them. Uh, you know, just let's listen to Washington over what, you know, one of a thousand mock drafts told us, you know, in April was going to happen. So guys like Dotson, uh, Alec Pierce, even like Tyquan Thornton, even uh, Belis Jones, like we just like, we make fun of them going higher when if they had just gone a round later we probably feel a lot better about them which again just makes no sense but it's interesting and then look like if you best ball we need to draft a second quarterback like Carson Wentz you can literally get in the last round of the drafts I mean he was QB 17 points per game last year with the Colts like I know he's I don't think he has a top 10 ceiling in him but unlike a lot of quarterbacks going that late we have seen him uh be that good and you know the idea that Sam Howell a fifth round pick is gonna factor into this after Washington actually gave up a decent amount for Wentz uh I don't see it happening so I do think uh Washington and even the Giants with just how affordable those guys are uh I know they're not the best teams in the world but I do think uh things will be a little bit better on the offensive side of the ball for him this year it's a really intriguing division. I mean, I, I like Lamb. I like Hurts. I like A.J. Brown where he's going even. But I, I to me, uh, it's Saquon. Um, I think Saquon yeah. could have a, a massive bounce back this year. And, like, right now you can still get him in, in sometimes in the third round. Um, and I think, you know, he's right now running back 12 on, on underdog. Um, I would think that it might, you know, he might go a little bit higher, but he's still going to be the value. If he stays healthy – this could be the big Saquon, like, hey, remember me season where he bounces back big time. Yeah, it's, it's totally Saquon, but I'll say Hurts just to say something different. Uh, you know, I, I, I like where Hurts is going in the draft. I mean, he was uh, he was a top five quarterback basically all last year. Uh, you can pick him up a little bit cheaper than that. Uh, you know, a lot of times he's going after Kyler Murray, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, right around the Russell Wilson range sometimes. So, uh, you know, it, sometimes he gets steamed up, but sometimes he drops step back a little bit too. So I'll take Hurts anytime he starts to fall. Yeah, Barkley was my guy. I think Schultz could in tight end premium, but I feel like he's moved up so much now that like he's past uh, Godert. He was he was going a lot later. I feel like three four rounds later, uh, earlier in the off season. So he's he's probably not necessarily um, a sleeper type, but could be in the tight end premiums. What about overvalued Ian in this division? Overvalued. I would. Hmm. I do wonder if uh, with Dak Prescott, he's someone that I don't think we need to reach on because he really just stopped running last year, which makes sense. All that money and coming off that horrific ankle injury, but he really is more so. Um, I think his profile is a little more like Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr esque, but he's going, you know, several rounds ahead of him. So I don't think the Cowboys are going to be quite the pass heavy offense that the Bengals or Buccaneers can be. And, you know, I think Dak and Russell Wilson, where they're going, maybe it's a little more on reputation and what they've done in the past versus what we should project them to do in 2022. So I would really love to get one of those top six quarterbacks. And, you know, uh, we all know the top five. And then I put Jalen Hurts in there. It's honestly having like overall, I think all those guys have like a pass 
pathway to be the overall QB one. I really don't think Dak does anymore because when they're able to, you know, like, yeah, we had the Buccaneers game last year, but after that, it was a bunch of games where Dak wasn't even hitting 30 pass attempts. So if they're able to run the ball, I still think they want to do that. And, you know, not having uh, Amari Cooper there, maybe not having Michael Gallup. Like we've seen Dak look at the first half of uh, 2019, man, when they didn't even have Cooper yet. Like we've seen him really suffer uh, just efficiency wise without a number one receiver, which makes sense. I think most quarterbacks are worse without a number one wide receiver in the fold, but really, you know, losing weapons and just not having that rushing floor. Uh, we need, a, we need Dak to be awfully efficient in order for him to be as good as I think he's being drafted. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe a month ago it would have been Antonio Gibson for me, but he's, he's now he's starting to get to like dropping to a range where you start maybe thinking right. about him. Um, but to me, it's Dalton Schultz. I like Dalton Schultz, but I don't like Dalton Schultz where I have to take him ahead of TJ Hawkinson, ahead of Dallas Goddard. Ahead or of, Hawkinson, maybe, that's what I meant. No, that's right. He's you know, ahead there's, of Hawkinson. A, there's a number of tight ends where I just think are maybe better players, and I think Schultz had a perfect situation last year. Um, and like Ian said, maybe the, the Cowboys offense takes a step back. But for me, I, I can't take Dal, adult, uh, Schultz as my tight end six, and that's where he's going. No, if you got him like a month or two ago, that's – that's money, but now it's it's too high. Dan, I'm going to make Theo mad, and I'm going to say Dallas Goddard. Uh, I just I, I I don't see a big uptick in targets or anything else. I think uh, I think AJ Brown is going to be the alpha in that uh, offense. I think Devonta Smith is coming on. I think um, you know Goddard is at best the you know the third target in that offense, and it's going to be still a pretty low volume passing offense. Uh, you know so. It, I just – I don't like the value goader. I like him as a player. Uh, if he was cheaper, I would take him. If he was going more around, you know, like tight end 11 or 12 or something like that, you know, if he's going in the, the Knox, Friermuth, uh, Gronkowski range, then I think he'd be a fine value. But I just can't take him up uh, where he's going with, with uh, you know, who I have to give up at other positions to take him. I'll say Zeke if you take him before the fifth or later. Uh, he's you know twenty seven going into the season. Not not ideal. I like Pollard for that reason. Um, what about sleeper Ian? Sleeper. We think we've hit on a good amount of them. Just kind of going team by team. I will say Jalen Tolbert for a lot of the same reasons for Tyler Boyd nice. earlier. Like James Washington, he's already hurt and he got a one million dollar contract. Like I think James Washington was what's that say? Never James Washington. Tolbert. No, it's oh, a Tolbert. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, Washington. It's it's fine. Like I don't hate the guy either. It's good that he gets to play without Mason Rudolph for the first time in like a freaking decade. But uh, you know, like it wasn't it wasn't like there was nobody balling out in those Steelers off. Offenses. I mean, Deontay, Claypool, even, you know, a wash version of Juju was able to do more uh, than Washington ever was. So I just uh, I think he's a replacement for Malik Turner instead of a replacement for uh, Mari Cooper, like some people are potentially theorizing. So he's very, very cheap at the end of drafts. But Tolbert is the one that got the third round draft capital. I think similar to a Russell Gage, um, he's going to have a chance to be the number two early on in the season while Michael Gallup's coming back. And then if he's the wide receiver three and is still productive offense, uh, we could be looking at a pretty nice uh, stretch run. So that is the thing about the Cowboys. Like they – they have been more run balanced. I think the people give them credit for but with that said, like they're always moving at one of the fastest paces in the league. So even though they might be, you know, 13th, 14th, and pass play rate, we still see them get a lot of pass attempts just from having, you know, that top two pace in the overall league. Yep. For sure. um, I, I mean, for my sweeper, I'll take Curtis, <clears throat> Curtis Samuel. 
for Washington. I think uh, last year's last year really uh, got people off the scent on him. He's going super, super cheap in drafts. And, you know, he's basically a Debo Samuel type player. Um, he can he can do a lot of work in the run game as well as in the passing game. So uh, always worth grabbing a guy like that super late for me. Uh, sleeper in the NFC East for me is, is Wandale Robinson. Um, I think he's going to have a larger role than some think. And he's wide receiver 79 on underdog. There's reports out of New York that they have a plan for him. They're, look where they took him in the draft. He was an early second round pick. And I think the community is just refuses to believe that somebody, you know, that short can have an impact. Um, if he was he one got taller, taller people, he already grew. He already grew. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Get, yep, you know, get, get him Kenny Pickett's hands. I mean, you know. <laughs> and CD Lamb, he grew an inch as well. What an offseason. No I'll, I'll go in that same offense. I'll, I'll go with Tony. Just, just to add a different name, I think Kadarius Tony, uh, one of those two guys, is going to pop in New York. I think the, this offense is is kind of a sleeper in New York, just with uh, you know a different regime bring coming in, guys that you would expect last year to produce in Barkley and 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 you know that Galladay, Kenny G. I mean, he can't be this bad, can he? Maybe he, you know he he outproduces ADP. You would hope, anyways. Uh, but yeah, Tony giving us like a thirty point game last year versus Dallas uh, gives you hope that he can offer you some ceiling or some upside. Let's move over to the NFC North guys, the Packers, the Vikings, the Bears, the Lions. Again, just another, you know, one of these uh, rivalry filled divisions. Green Bay losing some weapons and Adams leaving um, the Vikings. I mean, status quo, they're, they're kind of similar as they, they were last year coming into the season. Chicago losing um, Robinson, A-Rob. And then Detroit loading up through the draft, uh, you know, most analysts and people like, where are you in the NFC North, Ian, looking at uh, like league winner types? I think uh, the Vikings auxiliary receivers, like, can we chill out on the Justin Jefferson Cooper Cup role? The guy in the Justin Jefferson role has had maybe the best start of a wide receiver career ever. Like, what more do we need here with the Cooper Cup role? So I think the actual good news is the potential for this offense to be more pass first. So guys like Adam Thielen, who is like tied for third in touchdowns over the past two years, like put some respect on that man's name. And even KJ Osborne getting involved. And how about Irv Smith in the every down Tyler Higby role. I mean, some of the stuff that, uh, you know, my co-host on the PFF fantasy pod, Dwayne McFarlane has shown with these tight ends is just, you know, the overwhelming just hit rate of these top 12 tight ends. They need to be on the field for 75 to 80% of their quarterbacks dropbacks. Like Higby was an exception to the rule last year on, you know, Cooper Cup was just eating everything. I'm not saying that can't happen with Justin Jefferson, but Irv Smith is someone that just really looks like the every down tight end in this offense based on everything they did in free agency and stuff. Rudolph's gone and the change in play caller makes us believe that he is going to finally have that every down role. And he's going late as hell in these drafts. So like why reach on a Cole Komet when you can go ahead and wait an extra, you know, several rounds and get an every down player in Irv Smith. Like if we're trying to find next year's Dawson, like this year's Dawson Knox or Robert Tunyon, the, the tight end that's in a good passing game is going to throw the ball around 70, 80 targets and get convert 10 to have the touchdowns. I think Irv Smith checks those boxes. Yeah, I, I love Ian's call on on uh, Minnesota. I think that a lot of those guys are, are priced very, very well. I think Thielen's a great price guy. Um, and this is a fun division, but for me, it's DeAndre Swift. I think a, a year from now, we could be talking about him as like a top three uh, pick 
Um, I think he could take a big step forward this year. I think that team's going to be improved, and I think he's a baller. Um, I think he's going to be efficient running the ball, and I think he's going to catch a lot of, of passes as well. And I think those additions J.D. mentioned are going to help that whole offense get a little bit better. Dan, don't take my guy. Who's yours? <laughs> Did he freeze? Oh, he's frozen. He's I thought he was like thinking. a statue. I thought he was. Th- I thought he, he was could be deep in thought. He could be flexing. He looks like he just got a fresh new like cut. His his stash is trimmed. Um, I'm gonna go Robert Tanyan in the tight end prem uh, leagues. I love Tanyan this year. Him and Alberto, probably two of my favorite tight ends. I know you don't like Alberto Ian, but uh, Tanyan showed us. He gave us eight tight end one weeks two years ago in 2020. 11 tight end two weeks. You're looking at an even narrower route tree right now or target tree with Adams gone in Green Bay. I think that Tanyan is could be a sleeper, could be a league winner. You can put him in either one uh, right now. Dan, you were looking very stoic uh, <laughs> trying to give us your, your uh, league winner. Yeah, uh, the old internet cut out. So uh, I like A.J. Dillon. Um, I, I think he's going to smash running the ball. Uh, if anything happens to Aaron Jones, I think he's going to get even more work in the passing game. I think he's going to get more work in the passing game than most people think. Um, since since he's been drafted by the Packers, he has looked like a decent receiver, you know, certainly acceptable, if not maybe even a little bit above average, uh, you know, which we just didn't know before. And people are still treating him like he's going to be, you know, the guy who just kind of comes in there and slams in a few touchdowns and that's it. And I don't see that at all. I think the the offense is going to really continue to flow through the running backs. And uh, Dylan's sitting at a really nice ADP right now. Love drafting where he's going. Overvalued. Ian. Ooh. I was just starting to look at kind of Swift and what's exactly going on in uh, Detroit. Cause there's like no discussion about how, you know, Jamal Williams got hurt, like just about six, seven weeks into the season. I mean, this was a backfield, like Jamal Williams exists guys. I know we want Swift to be catching all these passes, but like no player had a higher percentage of their targets come in the fourth quarter down seven plus points than DeAndre Swift. And again, it's just like, you know, we held it really against Jalen Hurts and would make fun of him for getting all of his points like in garbage time. But that was kind of what Swift was doing as well. In terms of running the football, Jamal Williams was objectively better than DeAndre Swift last year. You can look at pretty much any metric you want. And like, yeah, Swift's a good receiver, but I just think that Williams, he's going to stay as probably the 1B in this backfield. So I'm not a full fade on Swift, but I think if anything, it's just a good value on Jamal Williams uh, where he's going that uh, late in drafts. And honestly, the running back position as a whole, we talked about Clyde, like that range with him, Miles Sanders, Cordero Patterson. When they're going that late, like sign me up there. And then late into the draft, you can get guys like Jamal Williams, uh, Khalil Herbert, and then a couple handcuff guys like Deontay Foreman, Hassan Haskins. Like I just really do think there's some upside to be had there. And particularly in Williams' case, I mean, if Swift did get injured, I really think he would have a larger role than um, what he had towards the end of last season. Again, playing through the pain. Like, I, they didn't pay him a ton of money, but it's enough that he's not going to be hitting the bench for, you know, was it Craig White or whoever? Like, we actually – I don't even know if that's a real person. Like, the running backs that we were seeing in Detroit towards the end of last year, like, I just don't think – if this team's going to be a little bit more competitive, which, you know, PFS Eric Eager can't go a day without talking about them hitting their uh, win total over, maybe even sneak into the playoffs, which, hey, it's possible. Either way, I just think this is more of a split backfield than a lot of people are giving it credit for. For me, it's uh, it's Aaron Rodgers. Um, I just think he's still getting drafted, like right at the the QB one line. 
Um, I think that the passing game is going to take a step back without Devontae Adams. I think he's, his weapons I don't like. You're starting to see people starting to get into Alan Lazard. Um, I can't reference Lazard because he's wide receiver 45 still, but I think you know there's there's not a whole lot, um, and I think it's going to be run heavy, a lot of checkdowns to Aaron Jones. I think um, Aaron Rodgers will not be a top you know 15 option at the quarterback spot, and I'm going to fade him. I could take Derek Carr. I could take Kirk Cousins right behind him on underdog right now. I prefer both of those players to him. I'll just add to 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 Rogers. If he's the last guy in that tier, though, I'm going to take him because last time we doubted Rogers, he gave you an MVP season. There are two guys I don't doubt in the NFL. That's Aaron Rodgers and that's Tom Brady. There you go. I'm I'm kind of on the the Lazard train for a fade. I mean, as Theo said, at wide receiver 45, that's not bad. You know, I can I can stomach that, but my guess is he's going to get steamed up a lot further. Um, as the offseason goes along, and I'm I'm not willing to chase him very much higher than where he's at right now. Let's talk sleeper in the NFC North. Mentioned Jamal Williams a little bit already. I think he qualifies. Uh, yeah, Lions. You know, I think uh, Amon Ross St. Brown could just actually surprise some people. I mean, for us to just dismiss what he was able to do only because Hawkinson and Swift were out, like Jamison Williams. Last update we got is that he's not going to be ready for training camp. I mean, I what if Swift isn't getting peppered at the end of games the same way? Like, I think Amon Ra can work ahead of TJ Hawkinson from day one. And it's not like we just always see these wide receivers, like, completely balling out for a month straight at the end of the season. Like, yeah, it was rare and kind of came out of nowhere, maybe because Amon Ra is pretty freaking good at football. And if you look back at, like, just the list of wide receivers as rookies to achieve a PFF grade of at least 80, which Amon Ra St. Brown did, did uh there's really just not it's all hits in there like you don't you don't see players reach that level and then just completely fall off the map so Amonra is someone that's going in that kind of muddled wide receiver three range but you know we could be sitting here in october like holy shit okay this dude's still getting 10 targets a game and he's making big things happen we've seen it happen at the end of last year maybe it keeps on keeping up god give me khalil herbert as a sleeper <sighs> Bastard. I like Khalil Bastard. Herbert. Um, I think ah. I think he should be he should be treated as a as a high end handcuff. He's not. JD, no one could read your your handwriting either. I, you I, can't I, read I, that. I can read. I can read. I can read Herbert. I can read Herbert. It's not so Come bad. on, man. Close, close. It's not so bad. Herbert, Herbert. I uh, I just think should be treated as a high end handcuff. Um, I think that we've seen David Montgomery get a lot of work the last two years, um, and I think that there's a chance that Herbert, with the new coaching staff, could develop a role. And if Montgomery goes down, he's a every week RB2 for me. He gave you RB11 and RB6 last year, 123 or 133 and 112 total yards uh, against not too shabby defenses either against Tampa Bay and against uh, Green Bay. Yeah. Can, can anyone guess who I'm going to say? Madison. Oh, Komet. Cole Komet. <laughs> Yeah, Cole Komet. I mean, I, I, I've been banging the drum for this guy all offseason. He he was like uh, number eight in tight end targets last year. Didn't score a single freaking touchdown. Uh, it, he's going to be the number two target in this offense. Justin Fields is a player I think he's going to be a lot better um, now that he has the Nagy millstone removed from his neck. Um, so I, I'm looking for him to get over 100 targets. I'm looking for him to get probably – five, six touchdowns, uh, you know, and the price that uh, Komet's costing you right now, he's, uh, he's tight end like uh, 15 or something like that, I believe, 14. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I think he's easily going to finish, uh, you know, top seven in tight ends. So easy, easy money there. All right. I want to respect Ian's time. He's been gracious to give us uh, an hour. Let's do a rapid fire with the NFC South, the NFC West. Ian, give us for each of them, or you can combine them however we want to do it. Give us the league winner, the overvalued, and the sleeper. All right. Say those divisions again. NFC South, NFC West. Okay. I'm just going to go team by team and say who I like. I like Russell Gage, especially where he's going. Went on a, a lovely at my sports update, Ari, Ari show the other day. And, you know, just the things with like Tom Brady calling Russell Gage throughout the offseason and getting a three-year, $30 million deal. Like, follow the money. Like, I've seen people – I already went on the James Washington rant. I've seen that comparison. Like, no, $29 million difference there. Follow that money with uh, Russell Gage. In terms of the Saints, I think that's a reasonably cheap stack you can get right now. Michael Thomas is going to keep falling with this injury news. And Chris Olave is really affordable. Why not get Jameis? Like, I know how run-heavy they were last year, but look at those wide receivers they had. Why wouldn't they be run-heavy? Not saying they're going to be, you know, the 2019 Bucks letting Jameis do whatever the hell he wants out there. But, you know, if you just want to look at, the, some of the cheaper quarterback and top two wide receiver stacks. Uh, I think the Saints are going to be up there with the Falcons. Talked about Cordero Patterson and just being in that right range. And yeah, there could be some red flags, but when you get through the entire offseason, all they added was Damian Williams on a nothing deal and then a fifth round running back and Tyler Algier. I, I, I like Tyler Algier where he's going to like more so than your usual late round running back, but CPAT is once again projecting for over 200 combined carries and targets. You can get him around a bunch of uh, later wide receivers. Cause just, you know, I'm, I haven't done too many FFPC drafts, but especially at underdog guys, these wide receivers are flying off the board so quickly that you do see the running back value coming uh, with the Panthers. Like, you know, don't overthink the CMC thing. I don't think any of you guys are, but you know, if you really are doing one league this year and you just need to pick a guy at one Oh two, McCaffrey needs to be your guy. I just, you know, look at that ceiling. And what if he gets injured? What if he doesn't get injured? You're going to win your freaking league uh, with him. So NFC uh, West was the other one, I think. That's right. NFC West. Fantastic. Yeah. With the Rams. I mean, Cuff's going to keep doing his thing. I, I, Daryl Henderson in this uncertain backfield. I don't think Cam Akers is a lock to just get this Todd Gurley role. I mean, I'm not too worried about his efficiency from last year. But in the Super Bowl, we saw them dial it back, like when Henderson was active again. So uh, I just think that discrepancy in ADP is a bit too steep. Uh, with the Cardinals, probably the real winner from the Hopkins suspension is Zach Ertz. So it's a uh, confusion to see him that low when he got paid uh, and echoing the Hollywood Brown love from before. Uh, and then with the San Francisco 49ers, kind of fading Debo as a top 10 guy. I just think the switch to Trey Lance, the second half splits where we saw Brandon Ayuk really get in there and having another version of banged up Kittle. Like Kittle, for my money's worth, is the best real life tight end uh, in the world. So would it really surprise us if he's just the number one? in the offense. So Debo, like if we're betting on him, just keep this super sane rushing efficiency. Uh, that's a, that's a tough one for me. I'm just going to be taking uh, guys and more sure fire offenses with all due respect to his talent. And then with the Seahawks, Man, just another team I'm trying to mostly stay away from. I've gotten some penny. I've I've gotten Tyler Lockett on a couple teams more so because, like, 
he's just falling so far at this point. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll take him at like wide receiver 45 or whatever the hell we want to do there. But, uh, you know, the Noah Fant thing, like, guys, I, I like Noah Fant too, but they just gave Will Disley a stupid amount of money. Like, I just, I'm not going to hold on to that first round capital pipe dream forever. This offense could just be truly brutal. And to see Metcalf really still getting the benefit of doubt, maybe he does blow up. He's so good at football. But again, I just think he deserved him, Waddle, and Deontay and these guys that are having a quarterback change to a much worse guy. I'm taking Pittman and uh, McLaurin, who are more certain, I think, number one options with a quarterback upgrade for a change. He's Ian Hartitz at I Hartitz. Hartitz like Cheez-Its. Hartitz like Cheez-Its. There we like go. That, actually, there you go. There you go. Um, try not to mess up the name like I do, like I <laughs> do often on the show. It's a tricky one. Or you can just call me tits. That's all everyone calls me. <laughs> there, there you go. I like it. All right. Check him out. Ian tits at PFF <laughs> guys, go check out his work at PFS. Make sure you're, you're following him on Twitter. Awesome tweets on the regular and check out his team previews out there with McFarlane. Um, Theo who's coming up next real quick. Well, we have Jared Smola from draft sharks, uh, coming on oh, yeah. Monday. Um, and then we have Jack Miller of Established a Run coming on Thursday. It's another fun week in the uh, GOAT district. Jack Miller 02. <laughs> That's it. There you go. There you what go. Handle. Guys, use the code DISTRICT for $100 matched for free in your face. The easiest 100 bucks you'll ever make. And you can draft for $2 million. Underdog Fantasy. MyFFPC.com. Tag any one of us. Dan's at Overhyped Sleeper. No E on the end. Theo at the OG Fantasy. I'm JD at JD Goat District. We'll hook you up with an exclusive sign-up promo. Get all your goat gear of Reading Global. Guys, we appreciate your time. Ian, you've been the best. Thank you for giving us this 60, and we'll check you all later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. One thing I wanted to mention, if you you guys are still listening with us right now, uh, we are going to do a listener league um, on the FFPC. It'll probably be a $35 buy-in for one of the big tournaments. Right now, there's the Superflex um, best ball tournament happening. If you're interested, we want listeners, we want true fans that you know watch the show. Make sure you – actually, you know what? I'll make this simple. Just email at Goat District – sorry, email GoatDistrict at Gmail. Send us your Twitter handle, your full name through whichever email address you want to be contacted through. And then we'll communicate to you guys um, once we have 
all the league mates. We'll put it together and we'll give you guys the detail. I'll keep promoting this on the show, but I wanted to uh, give the first uh, shout out so you guys are aware. We've already got 1912 Fantasy says, count me in. 1912, you are in, my friend. First, he will be drafting from a La Quinta near him. Remember, <laughs> you got to draft from a La Quinta if you want it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they, they are the best. And uh, and uh, yeah, anyways. But guys, uh, so we already have one in. So there'll be 10, 10 more spots. Uh, 1912 is with us uh, every show. So he's definitely going to get a spot. And if you uh, if you join us on the next live show and we stop and filled and you want to let us know you're in, just come on the show and let us know. We'll add you to the, the league, but we'll uh, we'll have some fun, guys. And hey, if we get a bunch of you guys, we'll we'll open a second league if if that's what we need to do. But we want to have fun with you guys, and uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in, give you a chance to play against us, draft against us, and have some fun. Maybe we'll do a balling episode uh, for the draft just to make it even some more fun. Get you guys on air. Anything to add, guys, before we turn this bad boy off? No, this is a lot of fun. And uh, Dan, have a wonderful trip. Dan's heading out of town. That's um, right. And. We're going to miss you for that, but we'll be looking forward to having you back. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to it as well, though. Uh, it'll be a, it'll be a fun two weeks uh, heading out to the Western U.S. So we're going to catch all the, the, the big national parks and everything out there and uh, just have a blast. So looking forward to that. And then I'm, I'm sure when I get back, I'll be uh, ready to dive in a little bit more and have some fun on football. Nice. See, I knew you had a fresh new do for something. I knew something was going on. Gotta right, make guys. it easy to take care of for a couple of weeks. <laughs> low maintenance. <laughs> yeah, not quite as low maintenance as JD's, but uh, you know, trying to get there. It's like best ball, right? Low maintenance. Right. Exactly.